Praise the Lord. We welcome you to our live broadcast today, May 29, 2022. Our instrumental is taken from our brother Caleb Brassi. May the Lord continue to bless him and his family. Today's topic is for children of God. Those who are truly children of God, who have known his name, and are contending for the faith. So we are saying you are a soldier of Christ. You are not an activist to solve the world's problems. The world has enough people to solve their problems. Yours is to promote the kingdom of God. Shall we pray? In Jesus' name we pray. Our Father and our God, we thank and bless you for today, for this opportunity to be with your people, to minister to those who have genuinely accepted their son as Lord, and Savior, and who are going about the business of ministering to people. We pray, Lord, that you will use this broadcast, Lord, to redirect them if they have already joined the world, thinking they are doing good. We give you all the praise and honor for the insights as we plead the blood of Jesus Christ upon all who we hear. All your children, Lord, and if any unfaithful, Lord, Today is the time they can also repent. Unbelievers, if you stumble on this message, we ask you to repent. So you can become a soldier for Christ, a worker in his vineyard. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The outline. It's a hopeless world. The example of Jesus Christ, Son of God, number two. Number three, don't make the world even more hopeless with your activism. If you're a child of God, you must shun worldly activism. Qualities of laborers, workers, who are also soldiers in the Lord's vineyard. And the song, My Faith Looks Up to Thee. I think that look is um, a misspelling, but that's okay. It's a hopeless world. Scripture, please. Romans chapter 8, verses 19 to 25. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. 20. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse, but with eager hope. 21. The creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. Praise the Lord. Actually, the verses I'm interested here is verses 20 and 21. But I brought the whole verses to 25 to put things in context. 
I guess it's will verse 20. All creation was subjected to God's curse. But we take a hope. So when we say it's a hopeless world, the moment Adam and Eve sinned, the world became hopeless. Because God cursed the earth, because sin came into the world. All creation in verse 21 looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay, because that's what sin caused. Because from that day that Adam disobeyed God, creation came under God's curse. It became futility because sin and death resulted and the world started to decay. From being the inheritors and overseers of the earth, human beings became slaves of Satan because that's whom our first parents sold us to. The person you obey, you become the person's slave. And as chaos reigned through from the Adamic time, to the end of the first world. Human beings continue to use their fallen minds and hearts rather than look up to God. And so they worsen the state of affairs in the world. Evil multiplies so much in that first world that God had to destroy it. Unfortunately, human beings inhabiting the second world, the world after Noah, haven't learned any lessons. They have continued to do evil. God chose Israel to showcase his love to the rest of the world. Israel failed as it did. What the rest of the world did. He did evil things. Then God sent his son to teach human beings the word of the Lord. Pay the penalty for the sins of human beings. And offer eternal salvation to all who will believe. He committed the good news, this good news of God's love for the world to his followers. But not long after the deaths of those eyewitnesses of the lost death and resurrection, a major rump of the church went apostate. Apostate Christianity has done so much harm from the first century to now. Actually, it started really from second, but the major rump happened in fourth century, and from then to now, they have made so many people not to hear the good news because they brought human organization as the way to salvation. No longer Jesus Christ who died on the cross of Calvary. They brought in so many Babylonian occultic doctrines into the church. And even after the 15th century, after the Reformation, the gospel that emerged embraced European culture. And so what you had going to the colonies in Africa, Asia, and the Americas, were an European reconstructed Christianity. As a result, most people in the 21st century world are unbelievers. They may be going to church. It doesn't matter. I've said it from this pulpit several times. Because apostate Christianity in all forms teach counterfeit gospels. Those gospels can poisons. They can never deliver. They can never save. Because 
Only the true gospel of Christ saves that Christ came, died, rose again from the dead and asked us to do the things he has asked us to do, obey his commands. Not to obey church organizations. Not to obey people that are born apostates. Not to obey antichrist in our midst. Majority of those who claim to be Christians belong to apostate churches. That's why they are unbelievers. If you're a member of an apostate church, you're an unbeliever. Because if you knew the truth, you'll not be there. Apostate Christianity has taken the church, the romp that they have taken, into the world and commit more sin. But yet, careful, throughout the ages, even in the first world, there have been unbelievers who recognize evil and they want to do something about it. God often used such people to do some good works and advocacy. Let's get that clear. God can use unbelievers to do what he wants to be done. But the question is, is he asking you to join them? That trend has continued up to now. That there are many charity organizations in the world, advocacy groups, or advocacy groups. To correct one thing or the other. That's people who have some institutions who want to do this. We see this thing. We are fighting for them. Want to deliver. Want to do this. Want to do that. They become what we call political action groups. To try to pressure governments. Pressure institutions. Corporations to do something better. Whether for the environment or for whatever. Though many have good intentions. Many of these organizations. They often have to make compromises to get results for their causes. You see, you want to do a course with unbeliever, or unbelievers are doing courses, they have to, if they trade one favor for the other, sometimes you see where the problem comes. Many of these activist groups believe that they are making their world better. Sometimes they make good things happen. Let us be very clear. Other times, their good intentions didn't translate to good outcomes. Because their leaders betray their followers. What am I trying to say? Some people start an association, organization to do good, but in between they are doing something else. You see, I don't want to be specific to any charity organization today. I have so many examples, but if we're in a, a close circuit, I'll be able to say a few things, because I don't want to malign any. Uh, because some are definitely doing good jobs, but many have also betrayed even the founding principles of the organization. Still other times, activist groups who have done good things in the past have turned around to promote sin. Yes. Champions of sin in the world today are some of the activist groups that started very well. Again, I'm not going to name them, so I'll name them. If you're a believer, as I'm sure you, listening, the Holy Spirit will guide you. The broadcast today is simply this. How does a 21st century child of God engage with organizations promoting what can be considered good causes, but at the same time they are promoting sin? See, they are doing one thing here, right, and then they are doing the other thing wrong. Some believers have joined political parties. But let me assert, all the platforms of all the major political parties in the world have one thing or the other that promotes evil. All of them, 
If you happen to know one that doesn't, please let me know and I'll come out to the pulpit and correct myself. Those believers who have made common concord with political parties will tell you that they are there to influence the parties to do good. They are deceiving themselves. Those who join what they consider to be apolitical, non-political organizations say the same thing. They are there to make a difference. But how can you, believer, justify being a political party or social group whose mandate promotes what biblically can be called good causes and at the same time promotes what biblically are evil causes? See, you see, the devil is very smart. Good causes, but evil causes are also there. Once you join, you have embraced both. Can you believe and make common cause with unbelievers, even for the purportedly good cause? Knowing that the spirit behind it is not that of God. We shall use this broadcast. Because I know many people have been bothered about these things. That's why we bring these very hard things out. To challenge us. So we're going to use this broadcast to examine the best way a child of God can navigate. This hopeless world. This world that God has cursed. And not be drawn into making common cause with unbelievers. That's the subject of today's broadcast. So we're going to look at who else? The example of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Number two. Item two. Yes. No, a good. First century Judea. See, that was Palestine. You had Galilee, Judea. Judea was in the south. North was in Galilee was in the north. But we're going to use Judea because everything happened there because Jerusalem is in Judea. First century Judea was as hopeless as the rest of the world. Into this hopeless nation was born the Savior of the world. In this time he was born, you had the Pharisees. I'm going to give you three groups. The major groups that were there. In case you think our world today was confused. You have the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the Sins. They were the most important of the many religious and political factions in Israel at the time of our Lord. You also have insurgents who were trying to fight to remove the Romans who were ruling them. So there were so many things happening in Israel at the time of our Lord Jesus Christ. There was total confusion, the same way there's confusion today in our world. So we're going to get a short description taken from the website which I'm going to see on the board in case you need to do further reading to describe these three major groups. Shall we start? The Pharisees. The most important of the three were the Pharisees because they're the spiritual fathers of modern Judaism. Their main distinguishing characteristic was a belief in an oral law that God gave to Moses at Sinai along with the Torah. The Pharisees believed that God also gave Moses the knowledge of what these laws meant and how they should be applied. This oral tradition was codified and written down roughly three centuries later in what is known as the Talmud. The Pharisees also maintained that an afterlife existed and that God punished the wicked and rewarded the righteous in the world to come. They also believed in a Messiah who would herald an era of world peace. 
Pharisees were in a sense blue-colored Jews who adhered to the tenets developed after the destruction of the temple. That is, such things as individual prayer and assembly in synagogues. The Sadducees. The Sadducees were elitists who wanted to maintain the priestly caste, but they were also liberal in their willingness to incorporate Hellenism into their lives, something the Pharisees opposed. The Sadducees rejected the idea of the oral law and insisted on the literal interpretation of the written law. Consequently, they did not believe in an afterlife, since it is not mentioned in the Torah. The focus of Sadducee life was rituals associated with the temple. The Sadducees disappeared around 70 AD after the destruction of the Second Temple. None of the writings of the Sadducees has survived, so the little we know about them comes from their Pharisaic opponents. These two parties served in the Great Sanhedrin, a kind of Jewish Supreme Court made up of 71 members whose responsibility was to interpret civil and religious laws. Praise the Lord! We have just read the first two, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. In the New Testament, you are going to see you came, the Lord Jesus Christ confronted both groups. But there was a third group, the sins. This third faction, I'm reading, emerged out of disgust with the other two. That means they realized that if both the Pharisees and the Sadducees were out of, I mean, some had some good points, some had bad points. So they said, no, this set believed the others had corrupted the city and the temple. Sounds familiar in our time. They moved out of Jerusalem and lived a monastic life in the desert, adopting strict dietary laws and a commitment to celibacy. Their sins are particularly interesting to scholars, biblical scholars, because they are believed to be an offshoot of the group that lived in Qumran, near the Dead Sea. In 1947, a Bedouin shepherd stumbled onto a cave containing various ancient artifacts and jars containing manuscripts describing the beliefs of the sect and events of the time. The most important documents, often only parchment fragments that had to be meticulously restored, were the earliest copies of the Old Testament. The similarity of the substance of the material found in the scrolls to that in the modern scriptures has confirmed the authenticity of the Bible we use today. Praise the Lord. Now, there are these three groups. The Lord condemned the first two, as you saw. But he didn't mention much of the sins. But obviously, today we are not in the Lord's favor because they are doing things still not looking unto God. Why didn't the Lord identify with any one of these sects? Rather, he criticized at least the first two. Those of you who say, I belong to this or that church, take note. Have you learned what your church truly believes and teaches? Because if your church has one little error somewhere, you are part of it, you are part of the problem. The Lord didn't identify with any of them because he knew that they had problems, each of them. Remember, we're looking at the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. He joined no political parties. He joined no religious group. In fact, he condemned almost all of them. 
Many believers have rubbish their faith because they have tied themselves to apostate churches. And I'm saying here, biblically, you share in whatever your church is doing or is not doing. If the anointing you had when you repented has left, and you no longer know the joy of salvation, of, of your salvation, that means you've lost the joy of your salvation, know that you're in the wrong place. You are a place where the anointing has been killed because God will not honor you, disobedient child of God. God cannot use you because you are part of what he hates. Your apostate church is undermining God's mission on earth. So God is not pleased with you. Next scripture, please. Mark chapter 6, verses 2 and 3. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him, that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter? the son of Mary, and brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. Praise the Lord! Why do you bring this? The example of Jesus Christ, Son of God. The owner of the whole universe is the creator, the one on whom we judge the world. Both the living and the dead, incidentally. So Jesus indeed had a profession. Aha! Uh -huh. He learned carpentry from Joseph, his adopted father, and definitely worked as a carpenter for the first 30 years thereabouts of his life. Jesus was not lazy. Why wasn't he commanding things to be happening in those first 30 years? Young men and women who are lazy and want to be stealing from poor people in those buildings you call churches. Please take note. What trade do you have, Mr. Young Pastor? I'm speaking to you now. Young Pastor. How about learning a trade that you can use to feed your family? Oh, I forgot. Oh, you're a graduate. Oh, you, you went to the university and had a degree or degrees. Eh? Okay, so what? Learn a trade and be useful and stop stealing from poor people in your congregation. That's why I brought that scripture. Jesus Christ was a carpenter, he used his hands. He used his hands. So you're a graduate. You can't learn something else if there's no employment. Must you be employed by somebody so you can be collecting bribes? Next scripture, please. John chapter 2. Verses 23 to 25. Because of the miraculous signs Jesus did in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration, many began to trust in him. 24. But Jesus didn't trust them because he knew human nature. No one needed to tell him what mankind is really like. Praise the Lord. If the Lord Jesus Christ did not trust human nature, neither should you trust any human being. You see, those of you who worship your so-called geos and pastors and bishops and whatever name, you see my point? Jesus Christ did not trust anybody because he knew that human beings are fallible. 
that no man is perfect so long as they're in the flesh. Only he, the Son of God, is, was only perfect and is only perfect one who ever walked this earth. So he wants you and I to trust only him and him alone. And how do you find trust in him? In the scriptures. Not in all the testimonies they give you to steal from you because you are greedy. Trust only God and the scriptures. Nothing more. That's why that scripture was brought, the example of Jesus. From the example set by our Lord and Savior, we can answer the following questions. We can answer the following questions. Question. Does God want his children to make common cause with unbelievers? The answer is no, because he didn't do it. If Christ didn't do it at the head of the church, of which we are members, why should you and I do it? So number one, we shouldn't do it. Christ didn't do it. Number two, how does belonging to a party or activist organization advance the kingdom of God? It does not. In fact, it is unequal yoking with unbelievers. Because we cannot reconcile our participation in these worldly organizations with the command of the Lord Jesus Christ gave to us, his followers. Go to the world and preach the gospel. Teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you and Lord with you even unto the end of the age. So we already have a job. We already have an assignment cut out for soldiers of Christ. And then Brother Paul will tell us again we have to be separate from the world. In the writings in the New Testament, it's all about separation from the world because the world is polluted, because the world is hopeless. No true child of God can reconcile. And you must never try to reconcile on equal yoking that goes contrary to the scriptures. You deceive yourself, I deceive myself if I do that. What does our Lord and Savior want from his followers? I've already said so. Go into the world and preach the good news that saves. And teach those who believe. You and I, when we depart from those commands, there are not any other command. Those are the commands for his soldiers. Let's go to item three. Don't make the world even more hopeless. Shun worldly activism. Believers make the world even more hopeless. Where rather than give them hope. See, the world is already hopeless. There's only thing you can give them is hope. And that hope is what? The good news of the Savior of the world. So, when you spend your time joining unbelievers to promote one cause or the other, you are leaving what the command the Lord gave you and I, what we should be doing. We're not giving the world hope. We're not presenting Christ in crucified and resurrected. Because only hope can take away hopelessness. Only hope can take away the curse of the world. And that hope is Christ. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Look, let's put it this way. The world already has so many activists advocating for them. Satan has even his own activists advocating for him. So if you and I spend our time advocating with the world, their causes, 
who is advocating for the kingdom of God, what greater gift can you and I give to unbelieving families, friends, and neighbors, mind in hopelessness, if not Jesus Christ, the Savior and hope of the world? Tell me which greater gift you can give except the hope that transcends this world into eternity. Don't you and I think that the time spent on worldly activism could have been better deployed preaching the good news to the world and teaching those who believe the commands of the Lord Jesus Christ? Scripture, please. Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 to 38. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Praise the Lord. The Lord looked ahead and saw in our time the many billions of souls waiting to hear the unadulterated word of God. Yes, the word of God that has no human construction, the one that came from above. Because it's the word of God, present Jesus Christ in crucified. If you don't know anything else, just say Jesus is Lord and present him to the world. Present the gospel that he gave us. Because only that gospel is the one that saves. It's the one that will take us to eternal life. Not any counterfeit gospel, not any worldly gospel, not any worldly activism. Second thing we got from the scripture we just read. The laborers are few. The laborers are few. There's a great harvest, billions of souls to be harvested in the 21st century. How many people are preaching the unadulterated word of Christ, God in the whole world today? How many? That's why it goes to the next one. Please, you and I must need to pray to God to raise more and more workers. And I don't mean lame workers. I don't mean cowards. I'm talking about soldiers. Soldiers of Christ. Soldiers of Christ. Those who will go to the frontiers and do those things that no one has ever done before. Who are unafraid to die because they know whom they have believed. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. Pray the Lord of the harvest. Pray and ask him to send more workers. Not cowardly workers, not compromised workers, but workers that we are ready to die to preach the truth to a dying world. You and I can, must never spend our energy, time and resources wasted. We mustn't waste them on worldly activism. No matter how good those activists or activisms might be. We must use the time we have on it to preach the gospel of Christ and contend for his truthfulness. Did you hear what? It's not just you say, you contend for his truthfulness, which is why we say here most churches in the organization world are apostate because they're not using God's word to teach their congregation. They are after money and money and money, or after power and power and power. Otherwise, how do you see in countries, you have people who join with Islamists in forming governments, 
Have you seen it all over the whole world? You have racists in North America who are killing people because their skin tone is different. And on Sundays they go to church. Some could even be pastors in those churches. And you are telling me that those are Christians. You are telling me those are followers of Christ. No, they are not followers of Christ. They are followers of you know who. I don't want to call his name anymore. I was going to stop this here, but I think I better finish. So bear with me. Qualities of laborers, workers, and soldiers of Christ. Qualities, please. Isaiah chapter 50, verses 6 and 7. I gave my back to those who struck me, and my cheeks to those who plucked out the beard. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting, for the Lord God will help me. Therefore, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I will not be ashamed. Praise the Lord. If you're a worker in the Lord's vineyard, you must set your face like a flint, hard stone, granite or granite. Nothing will distract or detract you. You are single-minded in this world as you go about the mission of God. You must not listen to any side talks. Press on for the price of the poor call of God in Christ Jesus. Contend for the gospel in season and out of season. You are not ashamed no matter the indignities you are subjected to. You can, you are not afraid, you are not a coward. Next scripture, please. Second Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 to 5. Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life, for then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. And athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. Praise the Lord. For Paul is comparing laborers in the Lord's vineyard to soldiers, to athletes. What do soldiers have in common? They're disciplined. Then they teach others. Because a soldier going to battle, you don't want him to shoot in a direction that may hurt other people. So you have to teach them. So they care for each other. That's number one. Number two, they endure suffering. Hardships. Because they know what they're fighting for. So if natural soldiers can do that, how about soldiers of Christ, who are the king of kings and lord of lords, you, you and I must endure suffering. Soldiers are steadfast. Even when they know there could be trouble ahead, one that could even make them to lose their lives, they will still proceed to wherever the Spirit leads them to. Yes, because they know that being what their commander, the commander of the heavenly forces, the owner of the whole universe, the king and kingdom, the king of the kingdom of all kingdoms. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life. See what I meant by you cannot join the world to make common cause no matter whatever it is. For then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. And at least cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. So I cannot say because I'm called by God and I begin to ask people to send me money. I pray for you people and then I become, no. I have to run it the right way. The right way is freely I've received, freely give. 
Freely have received, freely do what? Give. Don't teach and collect money. Don't preach and collect money. Yeah, in whatever guise. Yeah, you want to build a church. If God hasn't made the money available, don't build. Go on the street and call you preach. Paul didn't build any churches. He was preaching on the streets. Workers in the Lord's vineyard are soldiers of the kingdom. As we conclude. The weapons are not carnal like worldly soldiers. You see, their weapon is so much more powerful. They are mighty through God to put out strongholds of certain principalities and powers. Scripture, please. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 to 5. We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Praise the Lord. We are heavenly soldiers. We have power that nobody. On your knees, you can move nations. You can change governments. Take it from me, you can. You can change your circumstances, not your circumstances, the circumstances around you. But remember one thing, you will never make the world better because it's already cursed. It's in hopelessness. So when you pray and change, it's to make it so that children of God can do what? Preach the gospel in peace. So that they can draw many more to Christ. That's the whole purpose. Because this world is already decaying. So whatever you are doing, trying to make it better, you are working against the gospel of Christ. The gospel of Christ has only one mandate for you and I. Present the good news. The good news of Christ. Not the good news of human beings. Not the good news of European empires, American empires, Asian empires, Roman empires. Not Babylonian occultic ragmatas. Indian occultic visualizations in most of your new Pentecostal churches. No. The gospel of Christ shone off all constructs of the devil and human beings. Discipline your bodies and avoid spirit killing habits that could prevent them from being always in the spirit. You and I must always be in the spirit because if we are not, you will not know the dangers in the times. The times are evil all over the world. It's not just only in Africa. It's not only in my country or but. It's in North America. It's in South America. It's in Asia. It's in Europe. It's not only in Ukraine. It's all over the world. The sort of Damoclus or Damoclus or whatever is hanging over the world because the world is about to go. And you don't want to go down. You want to go up with your Lord and Savior. That's why my faith looks up to God today. That's the title of our song. My faith looks unto thee, Lord Jesus Christ. Sing along with me as you walk the board. My faith looks up to thee. That Lamb of Calvary, Savior Divine. Now hear me, O Lord, while I pray. Hear your children while we pray this hour, this minute. Take away all our guilt. And let us from this day, O God, be holy dying. 
May thy rich grace impart strength to our failing hearts. Our zeal inspire. As thou hast died for us, oh, may our love to thee pure, warm, and changeless be a living fire burning through us to the world. While life that maze we trade and griefs around us spread, be that our guide, be darkness turn to day. Wipe sorrow's tears away from us, O God. Now let us ever stray from their, from their side. When ends life's transient dream, when this cold, sunny stream shall over us roll, bless Savior. Then in love, fear and distrust remove. Oh, be all safe above, having ransomed our souls. Father, this prayer and this song today, may that be for all who have listened and watched this broadcast in Jesus' name. May none who has watched this broadcast today lose their place in eternal life. And as many as we go forth, Lord, in the strength of the Lord, in the fear of the Lord, preaching only the gospel of Christ, shun of human constructs and demonic influences, Lord. May your grace abound to the account. May they know the joy of their salvation and you, Lord. May everything they do, my Father, as they walk in the path of righteousness, reflect the glory of the Lord in their lives and affect everyone in their neighborhood and environment in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, remove the devourer for their sakes and whoever gathers against them in the physical and spiritual realm, Lord, let them fall for their sake in Jesus' name. Father, I give you all the praise and honor for today. You are God. And we shout when we bless your name, O oh God, for your son Jesus Christ who died for us and who continues to intercede for us and give us words to speak to your people. Blessings, glory, and honor belong to you, Lord our God. In Jesus' name we are prayed. Amen. Praise the Lord. By God's grace, we'll see you next Sunday. Continue to pray for us as we pray for you. The times are evil. They have always been, but more so now. Praise the Lord.